Well, hey, good morning. Good morning. So, uh, so over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at uh, what, it, what happened after Easter. Uh, uh, what, what went down after Jesus rose from the grave? And we've seen a couple stories of how Jesus shows up to his disciples and, and other people after he rose from the grave. And uh, today, we're going to continue that. We're going to look at another story. Uh, it happens to be one of my favorites, uh, maybe a story that you're familiar with. It's the story of the road to Emmaus. And so uh, it comes from Luke chapter 24, and this is, uh, this is what it says. It says, on that same day, that day being Easter day, on that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. But they were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped, their faces downcast. The one named Cleopas replied, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place over the last few days, that being Jesus's crucifixion? He said to them, what things? They said to him, the, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped, hang on to that, we had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago, but there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who told them he is alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women said. They didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you're dull minds. I, I think Jesus woke up on the wrong side of the grave. <laughs> Your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he interpreted for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead. But they urged him, saying, stay with us. It's nearly evening, and the day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it. And gave it to them. Their eyes were open and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, Weren't our hearts on fire as he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures for us? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, The Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. And so there's a lot in this story that, that we could talk about. But today, I, I want to just talk about this, this idea 
of how this seven-mile journey, it's sort of a pattern for us. I've always thought of this story as this, this seven-mile kind of map that, that, that orients our lives and, and by which we, we kind of find ourselves. It's a story about the intersection of our life and Jesus's life along this road of, of shattered hopes, dreams that have been delayed, and also these promises of God and the presence of Jesus. And so if your life has ever been shattered, then this is your story. <laughs> if your hope has ever been restored, then, then this is your story. If you find yourself somewhere in between being shattered and restored, then, then this is your story. Within the story, we see this, this pattern. It describes a journey from uh, Jerusalem to Emmaus and then back to Jerusalem. It's a seven-mile journey, then you double it, 14. But seven is the number in the Bible for, for completion, for wholeness. And so it's this whole and complete journey, Jerusalem, Emmaus, Jerusalem, it's a journey that, that Cleopas and his traveling companion take. It's a journey that, that all of us have taken, are taking, will take at some point in our lives. And, and I'm not talking about Jerusalem and Emmaus as, as geographical locations. In fact, Archaeologists, they, they don't actually know where Emmaus was. It, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, but geography doesn't matter all that much for this story to be true and to be real for us, uh, because we have all been on this road going somewhere that really leads kind of to nowhere. This, this road of, of disappointment, of unmet expectations and, and broken dreams, this, this road of, of regret and questions and, and uncertain futures. See, Cleopas and, and his friend, they're traveling from Jerusalem and, and heading back home, and, and it's Easter morning. They're not, they're not singing hallelujahs. They're not telling the whole world that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Instead, they're heading back home discouraged, disheartened, depressed, they're leaving behind Jerusalem, the place where they hoped that all of their hopes were going to be fulfilled. All of their dreams were to come true there. But it turned out it was the place where they lost all of their hopes when they saw their Messiah die. Now, we know the rest of the story. We know how the story ends. And so it's easy for us to say, you're heading the wrong way. Turn back, go back to Jerusalem. But also, if we just step back for a moment, we can understand that we can't blame them for heading back home, leaving Jerusalem and heading back to Emmaus. Because Jerusalem, Jerusalem is this place of pain, it's this place of, of sorrow and loss. It's this place of death and unmet expectations. It's this place of disappointment. It's the place where, where their lives have been shattered. I, I don't want to stay in a place like that, do you? And so it's this place of, of repulsion. Jerusalem equals this place of, of repulsion. 
And so as they're walking along, they're, they're talking about the things that had happened, and, and I suspect the things that, that didn't happen, their hearts are broken. They're, they're going home. It's, it's all over. They, they watch Jesus die on Friday. End of story. But even for us who know the ending of the story, we still find ourselves walking this road. We still find ourselves going down this Emmaus road. I mean, Easter was a few weeks ago by this point, and all the Easter eggs have already been found. I actually found the, the last one uh, this week in my yard. It was still hidden. But Easter's over. Eggs have been found, candy's all been eaten, the ham's already been eaten, or you've made some creative way to use leftovers. If you still have them in your fridge, this is your reminder to go clean out your fridge and, and don't, don't eat that ham, it's, it's bad for you. But there's only a few traces of, of resurrection left anymore. And it seems like resurrection is this thing that, that we talked about for an hour or so, a couple weeks ago, and then... Monday came, as Monday always comes. And so came with it the mundane. So came with it the routine, back to regular programming. And it's kind of sad, but it's also kind of expected, because how long can we be expected to keep this party going? And so these disciples, they, they head back home the seven-mile trip from Jerusalem, the place where they were supposed to have their hopes fulfilled, their dreams come true, the promises of God realized in full, and they go back to Emmaus, home, a place of, of normalcy, mundane. Uh, Emmaus is, is home. And as they're walking, they're talking about Jesus' arrest, his torture, his death. And they're, they're talking about the hope that didn't actually materialize. The, expect, the expectations that, that still went unmet. The, the investments that they had in this person that actually had no return. They're disappointed and they're sad. They had hoped that Jesus was the one, but, but he's dead. And when Jesus died, part of them died. Their, their hope died as well. And even though they had heard rumors of him rising from the dead, it, it all sounded a little bit like an idle tale to them. And so there was nothing to keep them in Jerusalem. Because when, when your hope's gone, might as well just return home. Because you see, hope, hope is this thing that, that tries to propel us into the future. Hope is always this thing that is, that is new and fresh. You don't hope for something that, that already is. Hope, hope gives you light on the horizon. It gives you a sense of, of a future. And so when your hope is smashed, well, then there's nothing left to do but to, to go back home. That's what they're doing. They're, they're heading back home. They're heading back to their, their fishing nets and their, their tax offices, their, their missed appointments, their daily routines, their everyday lives. And, and they talk as though nothing more than the inevitable has happened. And we sometimes do the same thing too. But we talk as if nothing more than the inevitable has happened and will happen again. But then all of a sudden, this stranger <laughs> catches up to them. And he asks them, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, and they begin explaining Jesus to Jesus. <laughs> 
They, they don't realize that it's Jesus who's, who's walking with them, but they begin explaining Jesus to himself, which, I mean, you got to just love the irony of this. And the fact that Jesus has spent his entire life, all of his ministry, calling people to follow him, and now he's the one that's following them. You see, even though Jesus has called you to follow him, it doesn't mean that he's not following you every step along the way. And so as they're walking with this stranger and as they begin to talk about their disappointment with him and share their disappointment, they, they say, we had hoped. What a, what a pitiful statement that is. We, we had hoped. We, we had hoped that he would be the one. We, we had hoped that things would turn out different. We, we had hoped that he would break our chains. We, we had hoped that God would heal us. We had hoped that, that our prayers would resolve in a sense of peace. We had hoped. We, we expected it. We, we waited for it. We, we had hoped, but we're just heading back home now. Because once hope is gone, there's nowhere left to go, but... Back home, this, this, as far as they can see, is their, their final journey. Their final destination point is just back to the way things were before. And as they head back home, with no hope, hope comes to find them. I mean, just, just notice. Notice how sneaky Jesus is here. He, he walks the rest of this seven-mile journey with them without ever telling them who he actually is. Instead, what he does is he whips out his, his pocket Torah like a Jewish Gideon and begins to teach them about the scriptures, but, but that doesn't work. I mean, they, they, don't, collect, they don't connect the, the lesson to the teacher. They're, they're missing the bridge between the dots, and it makes me think, I wonder how many times, how many times I, I've missed it as well. I, I know the lesson, but sometimes I, I miss the, t- the teacher in the lesson. How, how many times have, have I been walking with a stranger and I've neglected to see the presence of God? How many times have I gone about my, my everyday life, heading back home, and I've missed I've missed the resurrected life that is all around me. You know, sometimes when, when we expect Jesus to show up, we expect some, some big grand gesture like fireworks in the sky or some miraculous sign. Nah. Sometimes Jesus is just sneaky. Sometimes he just slips into everyday moments, everyday conversations, and just because there's no fireworks going off or, or signs in the sky, that, that doesn't mean that Jesus isn't with you. Even though you, you, may not, you may not realize it in the moment. Even though you, you may feel like you're, you're walking towards a dead end. God can still meet you there. God can still meet you in those places where you have seemed to have lost hope. God can meet you along that road of of disappointment and despair. But it's not the end of the journey. Just because you don't get it now, just because you you don't see it now, just because you don't see hope being restored or promises being fulfilled doesn't mean that the journey's over. 
This is, this is a seven-mile journey. It's, it's a full journey from one place to the next. And, and so if you're at mile two or three and you don't see how God is working and moving, your journey isn't over. God is still doing something. There might be a miracle up ahead. Keep walking. Keep, keep asking questions. Keep talking to Jesus, even though you may not realize that he's there in front of you. Your journey isn't over yet, even though you may not see it now. But when they do finally get there, when they do finally get to Emmaus and they ask Jesus to stay with them because it's getting late and it's getting dark out and, and they don't need him traveling down the road, they still don't realize that it's Jesus. It's only in that moment where he sits down at the table, takes bread, blesses it, breaks it, gives it to them to eat. Maybe that sounds familiar. Their eyes are opened, and they, they finally recognize him. The, the lights go off. But right in that moment, he vanishes from their sight. And so the question is, you know, why? why? <laughs> Jesus, Jesus where, where did you go? Was he abandoning them again? Is Jesus playing some type of like hide-and-seek game with them? Here I am now. Now I'm gone. I, I don't think so. I, I, think, I think that the reason why Jesus didn't need to be right in front of them anymore was because now Jesus was within them. They, they didn't need to see Jesus face-to-face -face anymore because now he was within them. Jesus was that, that burning that they felt in their hearts as he talked about the scriptures to them. Jesus was also that, that feeling of discontentment and, and disappointment, and they're wrestling with that. The presence of Jesus was also that, that hunger, that desire for something more. And, and, and the presence of Jesus is also that deep sense of joy and gratitude always, it's, it's always Jesus. And so watch what happens, that, that this, this place called Emmaus, it's no longer a place that's just home. It, it's no longer a place that's just ordinary and everyday. That, that Emmaus is, is now this place of restoration. It's, it's this place of, of surprise. It's this place of restored hope. And so in, in this moment, it says immediately, immediately they get up and they ran off to Jerusalem, even though they had just told Jesus that it's too dark out, it's too late out, don't, don't go walking. They get up and they start running towards Jerusalem. They return to that place that they fled from in the first place. They return to that place that, that repulsed them in the beginning. Because now Jerusalem is not a place of death. It's a place of life. Now Jerusalem is not a place of sorrow. It's a place of joy. Now Jerusalem is not a place of despair, but it's a place of hope. It's not a place of shattering anymore, but it's a place of restoration and return. Returning now with this, this new strength. Returning now with this new hope. Returning now with this, this new story that they have. That their, their despair, their hopelessness, it's now been restoried by God. That Jerusalem is this place of, of return, but they're different now when they go back to it. The place that they left, it, it's still the same. 
but they're changed. They're different. And God compels them to go back there. You know, we leave Jerusalem in order to head right back to it, to face all the things that we've left behind, to face those places of of pain and loss and grief and hurt and, and shattered lives. We head back to it to discover the hope that awaits us there. We, we head back to, to reclaim ourselves that, that we lost there. That the city hasn't changed, but we have. The situation that we left behind, that, that hasn't changed, but we have. And we have this new ability, this new strength. Our eyes have been opened to see things differently so we can head back to those hard moments of our past with this new hope, this new ability to see God in it all. I mean, this is the pattern. Shattered lives, broken bread, restored lives. Jerusalem, Emmaus, Jerusalem. Repulsion, restoration, return. It seems like that's the pattern. It's, ne- it's never, however, it, an easy thing. It's not without its pain. It, it's not without its trials. It's hard to be in a place like Jerusalem at the first time, to feel that pain and that loss and that hurt. It's hard to walk away from it. And then it's hard to go back and revisit those painful memories, even though you have this new sense. But there's this promise that, that even though the, the shards of our lives lay on the ground, they, they could be the new pieces for building a new life, a, a new way of seeing, a, a new way of living. And so whatever in your life, whatever in your life has, has driven you away, pushed you away, whatever, whatever pain, whatever sorrow, whatever loss, whatever hope you, you once had but now is gone, this story reminds us that that's not the end of the journey. That's only part of it. That, that's, only, that's only the beginning. The road to Emmaus is, is still ahead. And when you, when you get there, when, when that first half of that journey is complete, your eyes will be opened your, your hearts will blaze with the love of God. You, you will be restored. There will be healing. There will be hope. That God, God will then call you back. Back to that place that you left. Back to that place of, of pain. But God will give you a testimony. Uh, a testimony of joy a testimony of, of wholeness, a testimony of, of restoration. And so the disciples, they head back to Jerusalem, back to that original place of fear and pain. And it's exactly in that place where Jesus is going to send them out to do the most amazing thing they have ever seen. 
It's exactly in that place that was once a place of fear and pain and hurt. It's exactly in that place where Jesus is going to send them out to build his church and do the most amazing thing the world has ever seen. And so I don't know. I don't know where you're at on your journey. I don't know if you've just witnessed a lot of heartbreak and pain and this feeling of, of hopelessness that you just want to run away. I don't know if you're heading home, trying to go back and reclaim a, a sense of, of normalcy. Or maybe, maybe you're at a place where your hope is being restored, your, your strength is being renewed, or, or maybe, maybe you feel like you're, you're heading into that, that hard pass now with a, a new sense of purpose and, and a new sense of strength. But what I do know is that wherever we are on that journey, along that road, Jesus is there. And today Jesus calls us to come sit at the table with him. To, to take a moment to have our eyes opened, to, to have our hearts broken open to his presence. That at the table where Jesus shares with us his life, where Jesus shares with us his body, he invites us to come and receive nourishment for the journey ahead.